Welcome to another week's edition of Good Band, Bad Band, where we talk about two groups whose names sound similar, but the music sounds different. This week we're discussing the Clash Test Dummies. I am Jared. I am Dax. Caleb. It's Tyler. And here we are. Here, here we, we are. are. On a new, another edition of the, the greatest and most prolific podcast that has ever existed in space and time. Good band, bad band. It's quite Indeed. bold. You think so? Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It's like pretty most, good, though. I think most people would agree. I don't know. So, we are going to start with The Clash. Yes. We have previously discussed The Clash on Record Roundtable, that our other have. show you may know. And so I don't want to, we don't want to regurgitate the same information we've discussed previously. No. So to or- what didn't we talk about? To orient a little bit, when we listen to the albums of The Clash, we, well, I will say we talked a lot about Sandinista <laughs> because there's a lot of material on that album, Triple LP, we talked about that. Um, and But we listened to basically all the albums up to uh, Sandinista and we stopped at Combat Rock. And we briefly talked about the singles from Combat Rock because they are worth talking about. But we mm. can talk about them more here because I think that's interesting. The fact that so I did I was of course did my research. Of course, a lot of the the tracks that came off of Combat Rock were the songs that were intended to be the singles. So the 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 studio would push the songs and say. These are the songs that we want to be the singles off of this album. They were put on the album for the explicit purpose of being the singles. And then, therefore, they became basically The Clash's biggest songs. I don't know why that works. Why? why is, I'm confused at what you're trying to say. The studio put those songs on the album. They said, we want these singles. Rock sure. the Casbah. Yeah. And should I say that's, should that's pretty typical. typical. Like whoever the recording, whoever's producing will tell you, oh, this, I think this is a single. Right. And they'll be like, this is your single for this album. I just think it's interesting, the idea that the songs that they were told would be their hits were their biggest songs. That's Especially true. on an album that was not really their most well-received album. Yeah, because it sucks. Combat Rock was their most selling album. Yeah, because it's the poppiest album. And it also comes after their already acclaimed success. So you have a London Calling that is their third album, and... The two albums prior to it were not massive successes. London Calling was very, very popular. But one thing about well, London their Calling, initial release was really popular. Well, yeah, but the the London Calling album was not even fully released in America because they didn't think that it would sell very well. But that album was like a huge international success, and people had to import the album That's over funny. to listen to it. So, like. A lot of their success was built over that time. And it, I wouldn't have seen Sandinista selling that well, especially if somebody said, hey, did you listen to that big triple album with a bunch of reggae on no, it? No, no. It sold relatively well. It, it got okay. to uh, number 27 in the U.S. None of their other two even charted in the top 100 up oh, to really? that point. And then it only, and uh, Sandinista only got to 24. So, you know, it only well, did a little bit better. What right. got to 27? London Calling in the U.S. No. So they big, still that did, was a bit confusing. They still did well. So, but again, Combat Rock comes after success. So you have all the success. You then have Combat Rock, and everybody already knows Combat Rock, and they know the singles that people are pushing. And so, boom, there you go. Got yourself a a respectable album, I suppose. And then we did not talk about Cut the Crap. 
I did quite a bit of research on that because I wanted to talk about it. Please do. Um, it it is quite the thing. It is it is an interesting album. So it was produced by their manager, mm-hmm. who was kicked out of the band in night. Well, not kicked out of the band, but kicked out of being able to manage the band in 1981. Mm-hmm. And Joe Strummer said, "I will, I will quit the band unless you bring him back." So they brought him back, and uh, so then he produced the album, and he basically. They kicked out the other. Uh, hold on, let me see who was kicked Mick out. Mick Jones and Topper Heaton. Uh huh. Were kicked out. Mick Jones was kicked out. Mm-hmm. Oh. Dismissed by Joe. Even what was what was Mick Jones kicked out for? Because I mean, he was he was like one of the founding yeah, members. He was uh, so. one of the principal songwriters. Because I know that. So the story of their drummer, they picked him up after they had like two hundred people in the area that they they tried to find a drummer, and he ended up being the one. But he was with them for a really long time, but then his heroin addiction became so difficult that they had to get rid of him. So, like, it seems as though they wouldn't get rid of somebody from The Clash without good reason. So I couldn't see a reason why Mick Jones would be kicked out for just any reason. It was just they both were... um, Mick Jones and Joe Strummer just had issues where one wanted to do a style one way, one wanted to do the style the other way, and that's really what ended up happening. That makes sense. And so uh, they ended up getting... Uh, Pete Howard on drums, Nick Shepard on lead guitar, and Vince White on the other lead guitar. And the only two original members were the bassist, uh, Paul Simonon, and then uh, Joe Strummer. Gotcha. And uh, so when they went into the studio, like they they called it like the Clash Part Two or whatever. Like mm-hmm. they they were trying to like rebrand themselves. Right. And um, so they were playing the instruments and doing different songs for the record. And the producer basically didn't want any of the the band to be used on the record. And so he was demoralizing them to try and get them to quit because Joe wanted to use them, mm-hmm. but the record producer didn't want them. Hmm. And so he was <laughs> here's a few here's a few things that happened. So they uh hired the 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 musicians, the unknown musicians that I mentioned, Nick Shepard and Greg White. Mm-hmm. Uh, White took the pseudonym Vince after the bassist Simonon complained that he would prefer to quit than play in a band with somebody named Greg. <laughs> <laughs> that was his big issue was that his name was Greg. Yeah, He's like, I guess I'll just change my name if it's that big of an issue to you. And the drummer, Howard, was given very vague instructions. So he was told to play like he was throwing the drum kit down the stairs by the producer. That was the instructions he was given. I'm not sure what that would occur to sound like. Do you guys want to go get a drum kit and throw it down the stairs and see what it sounds like? Yeah. Then we can make I got a, one. Then we can make a Clash album. That's right. Oh, but probably their worst album. The other thing that was interesting that I read was the name of the album, Cut the Crap, mm-hmm. was taken from a, a line in the film Mad Max 2. Mm-hmm. They wanted to call it something else, and the producer basically, what happened was the producer changed the name of the album, replaced all of the people that did the instruments in the album with um, like drum machines, loops, loops, and things like that. And none of samples. the band that was in, none of the people that were in the band, other than you know Joe and uh, Paul Simonon, were their music was actually in 
on the album. So they were credited with being in the, the band, but none of their music was on the album. That's so weird. Which is one of the reasons why it is such a uh, train wreck. A bad album. Yeah. Well, some of them just album. decided, like, I'm not going to work with them. Yeah. With Bernie. They're just like, I'm not doing it. What, who is the producer's name? Bernie Rhodes is a reinstated manager. Has he? Did he do much outside of af, like after Cut the Crap? No, there's they, nothing was, afterwards, anyway. No, not with not specific with the Clash as a producer. Oh. <clears throat> I don't think that he had ever produced anything before in his life. Well, he was their manager, and then he just produced this album. He also like, helped really. discover the Sex Pistols. Looks like he's associated True. with the Specials somehow. I don't know if it's a it's due to their founding or. See if we can locate something about him. He uh, introduced Paul Linden, the lead singer of of the Sex Pistols, to the group. Right. So he's he kind of brought somewhat brought together two of the biggest punk bands in the UK. You know, right? With both groups, but he helped derail one of them. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like he. I mean, he managed a few groups. So I don't know if he really did anything other than managing. No, that's all. He opened a club, it looks like, in Soho. He managed uh, Dexie's Midnight Runners. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's yeah, and good. the specials and Subway. That's Sect. Good. Yeah, the specials. They're pretty good. You don't like the specials? Ska? I'm not really, like, I've never really gotten into the specials. I'm no. familiar with their existence, but that's about as far as it goes. So, Joe but, Stormer didn't know that Bernie uh, Rhodes was going to do that. So once the album came out, he had already moved. I I, can't, I didn't remember where it said he moved to. He went, he moved somewhere far away for like family things and such. But he dis uh, dissolved the group and disowned the album, and then basically, you know, like just said, we're done with the Clash now after this. Right. So, I find a lot of their later work also interesting. After like, especially after the death of Strummer, what because they they had a lot that they so they they didn't think that they were going to tour again. And they were inching about as close as they could get to touring together again when they were inducted into the Hall of Fame. But they were it was announced that they were inducted into the Hall of Fame and they were kind of like teasing out the idea of them actually performing for it, and then he died. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, Well, we're not we're not gonna do this live performance then. So they really have not done a lot of live performance outside of it. But in terms of music that they did do, uh, Dax, did you see that Jones and Hedden did get back together in 2009 and did a song with Billy Bragg. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't see that. Yeah. All that that's cool. Right. Was Wilco there? I would hope so. I would hope that Wilco made it Probably to the not, studio for that. Because they don't I, like each other and it's 2009. Right. Mm. Uh, Simmon and Jones were together on a track for the Gorillas on Plastic Beach, hmm. which is also a very, not the kind of collaboration that you would expect. But the gorillas, yeah, they're all English. Brought some some of the clash back together. Jones also was on the song "Hillbilly Man" on the fall. Hmm. But I do I do think that talking about th- some of the the later things is important because we often don't. If you look at the clash, you only really think about the things that happened during the major parts of their career. You, you really don't. just think about their first three albums. Right. Well, everyone thinks about Combat Rock, too, but I hate Combat Rock, so whatever. I mean, that's fair, honestly. I like, hate Combat Rock. Well, a lot of what they did on Combat Rock, it's not really... I mean, it wasn't really what they were doing to begin with. Again, no. like you said, it's a lot popular of an album, which is obviously evidenced by the fact that they had hits come off mm-hmm. of it. So... But it, it's very odd to me that so many hits came off of Combat Rock, other than the fact that the sound is the way that it is. But 
you would think that their more prolific albums would be the ones that would be remembered more often. But if you look at the songs that we well, listened to for this. Yeah, but it, really the albums that are most remembered are their initial release in London Calling. If you look right. at, if you talk to anyone about Clash albums, those are the albums people are going to be talking about. Absolutely. If you look at people about songs, they're going to tell you that the end of Rock to Caspon, Should I Stay or Should I Go Now, which is our combat rock songs, but that album isn't like well-known by comparison. You know, it's not as revered. Right. Or, or known in that sense. People just know the popular songs on it. And they probably don't even know what album it's on. Probably not. Speaking of Should I Stay or Should I Go, Dax, I would like to remind the listeners that we did do a That Sounds Familiar for Should I Stay or Should I Go, which was done by One Direction. Yep. Uh, a right. big a big on-the-nose. It was a rip-off. It was just Total a rip-off. rip-off. It wasn't like an homage or anything. It was a rip-off. And you would think to yourself, well, of course that would be the only instance in which the song would be, you know, pieces of it were taken. You would think. No one else would do that. But then came uh, 21 Pilots with their song, Tear in My Heart. Sometimes you gotta bleed to know That you're alive and have a soul but it takes someone to come around to show you how she's a tear in my heart. Junk, told trash. <laughs> Same pacing. Are you going to play the song? Yeah, of course. Okay. Let's listen to a little bit of Should I Stay or Should I Go? All songs are the same song. Yeah, that's a weird track. Anyway, I don't. It's probably the only song that I'm close to being all right with on Combat Rock, and I still don't like it. But it's interesting because they used fuzz on the bass in that. Like, hmm, weird the way they chose to do it. And you don't like Rock the Casbah? I hate Rock the Casbah. What's wrong with you? You should already know. Why that. do you hate fun? Listen, <laughs> why do why you do hate I, because fun? it's not fun. Because no one should be enjoying themselves. Life is misery. Shut up and go home and close your doors and never leave your house. All right, I can get on board. Um, they did a Portland. In Portlandia, they talked about The Clash. They talked about Combat Rock and kind of made fun of it, and I felt good about it. Did they? They did. What you characters could, were they playing on that episode? Um, they were actually, it has a cameo from Isaac Brock in that skit as well. Oh, really? It does. It's... Um, Oh man, I can't remember their names. Was it the feminists? Or no, was it it's the... the two. You know the two older people who live in the eyebrow house that have the kid. They're trying to get into school. No, I don't remember that. Uh, I think it's in season two. I believe it's in season two. Anyway, they're going to like a like a PTA meeting for this school for their kids, and Isaac Brock comes in to donate a crate of records, and they talk about <laughs> combat rock because they're like we should. We shouldn't just take any records here, all right? Our kids need to listen to certain things. He's got a Mike in the Mechanics album. Okay, I don't want my kids listening to Mike in the Mechanics. And uh, they're like, they need to listen to Clash. And the teachers out there are like, oh, yeah, I know them. They're like, oh, yeah, well, you know anything? Of com- it's probably just only no Combat Rock. It's like, Rock the Cast He's like, Combat Rock. And she's like, should I stay or should I go now? And they're like, also Combat Rock. And I'm like, thank you. Hold on. Let me see if I can find that. You skit. don't like The Living Years? No. I don't like any of that album. No, the living ears is Mike and the Mechanics. I know. I don't like that either. That's you didn't actually, know. You didn't. It's referenced. In, it's referenced in the sketch. It's referenced in the sketch. That's the album he has in the crate. All right. 
musicianship matter? Were the Sex Pistols, were the Ramones, were the Clash? Was that about musicianship? What? No, it was about fury. I like the Clash. I'm sure you do. That's why she's teaching. Rock the Casbah, you know, the classics. Well, but there's earlier stuff There's earlier stuff. You know that, right? Oh, I do. I know. Like what? Should I stay or should I go now? Is that the classic? It was the first one. That's the same album. That's Combat Rock. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Oh, okay. She probably likes uh, Rock and Roll High School by the remote. <laughs> Into the century. Oh. Yeah, we all know yeah. that. Sure. Let's be honest. We're not talking about our taste in music. We're talking about what our kids love, what our kids are into. Yeah. But our kids all- Boom. That's, I like, that's pretty funny. I like they also rip on Into the Century a little bit because it's like a... Meh, Ramones album. Came out in 1980. I brought it up the other day. You ever listen to Big Audio Dynamite? No, but I, I mean, I understand. Please talk about them. Okay, so Big Audio Dynamite is the band that was started after The Clash ended by, uh, who was it? Mick Mick Jones started Big Audio Dynamite in 1984 after the, around the dissolution of The Clash. It is a post-punk alternative dance group, and uh, Joe Stromer, not a fan no. When asked about his opinion on the debut album by Big Audio Dynamite, J- Strummer described it as one of the worst pieces of shit I have ever heard. Wow. Ooh, about his friend, solid. his former band, band members group. That's a pretty, it's a pretty big, mean, rough take perfect. on that album. I think it's pretty good. I, I like some Big Audio Dynamite. I'm sure it's not the biggest piece of shit he's ever heard. Like, yeah, there's got to be something... That's worse. There were some bad albums that came out prior to what was that? Eighty five. Play a little 85. bit of the song "Rush" by the Shags. Had it come out by then? <laughs> it sounds a little bit like Clash, but way different. Way more, I guess, like kind of like world music ish. Well, that's very Clash on like Sandinista. Does it sound like a Sandinista track? Basically, it's, well, just play, just yeah. play. Fully grown, and I know where it's at. Somehow I stay thin. While the other guys Was that mixed weird, or did my headphones malfunction when they hit the break? It's just uh, like the computer turned off. It sounded really weird. It's like the cursor came up on the computer. It was, it was odd. Mm. Odd sound. Interesting. Joe Strummer did some stuff, too, with the Pogues in 91, 92. He also was, went on tour with them in, in 87 because uh, their singer was sick. He was the, doing the vocals for the Pogues? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. I would love to hear... For some live performances. They did some Clash songs. You could probably find it. We've got a whole video, the Pogues with Joe Strummer live in London. There you go. Let's see if we can find some vocals on that one. What you see.
See something cool over there? You all like the Pogues? That's something I can get into. Really? Have you listened to the Pogues before? I don't. I don't know if I have. You haven't gotten into the Pogues? You listen to the Pogues? They're like they're 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 pre Dropkick Murphys, pal. Oh man, I gotta get into the Pogues. Here, hold on. I found. I did find something interesting, and I would like to play it. That is perhaps that. my new favorite version of I Fought the Law. Yep. Over every other uh, version of I Fought the Law. I Don't you mention it again. Don't you, you don't get to say it again twice. My favorite version. Don't say it. Say it. Go ahead. Is it Dead Kennedys? Yeah, I know it is. Did I tell the story about that? Too? Yeah. It's a funny story. <laughs> about the car dealer guy? No. Oh. I don't think you told that. Go ahead, please. That's, I bought, that's on uh, Give Me Convenience or Give Me Death, which is a compilation album that I bought of Dead Kennedys when I was at middle school. And I had a Dead Kennedy shirt that I wore around in middle school and such. And my mom was looking for a new car. So my dad and I went to the car dealership, the Chevy dealership in town. And there's this guy who was, uh, he, people know him around town, but he's got like a raspy voice and he's a big dude. And he like, you know, car dealers try to like make a little, some connection with you, you know, so they try to sell you their thing. And he's out there, he's like, hey, what's going on? You guys looking for a car? And like, yeah. And he's like, all right. And he's talking to us and talking to us in the middle of it. And he's like, Oh, yeah, I like your shirt, Dead Kindies. I, that's a pretty wild version of I Fought Lie. Listen to it, man. And I'm just like, all right, cool, pal. Uh, I'm like 14 years old, so I'm not <laughs> buying a car, so you're not going to win me over, dude. Plus, I also don't believe that you actually listen to it. Somehow you know about it, and that freaks me out. He just uh, learned the Dead Kennedys discography that, in case he had to sell a car. He, he, must have. he clearly he did. He's like, one day some 14-year-old kid will wear a Dead Kennedy shirt here, and I'm going to sell that kid a Chevy Equinox. First gen, 2006. You never know when some information on the Dead Kennedys might sell you a car. I'll tell you that. True. It was. It was in 2006. That's when it was. You know do, that, that do you meme happen where... To like Jello. <laughs> do you know that meme where it says slaps car? Mm-hmm. It's, it's slaps car. Man, I bought the love of Dead Kennedys. <laughs> that was pretty wild. That was a wild song. That's how you sell a car. But I'm with my dad, and my dad's never heard it, and I have to just be like, it is. Don't talk about it in front of my father, please. Because it's just a, you know. Shall we transition? I think it's Pounds? I have I have one more song. Oh, my God. Play the song Straight to Hell by The Clash. Well, golly gee, uh-huh. Yeah, do, I bet do, you, do, uh, do. I'm pretty confident that they ripped that off a, a Hispanic woman. Oh, my. M.I.A. This is M.I.A. Paper Planes. One of the, probably one of the more uh, interesting samples in recent memory and in terms of, you know, like, it's a very, like, this song is very popular. And if you don't know The Clash, you know this song. But if you know The Clash, you're like... Hey, this person ripped it, you know, like. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And you did it. You did it. That was a... <laughs> you got what you wanted. <laughs> you did it. He did it. That was a, a video that I found one time. Go ahead and name it. Okay, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. Paper planes, but every time there's a gunshot, it's a musket by Joe Gumby. Link will be in the description. Yes. It's a pretty good one. It's very long. How long is that? I like it when you About say that. 12 minutes and 26 seconds. Because it never happens, and it makes you feel good that you don't get what you want. That's what makes me feel good about life. What's funny is you said link in the description on the last episode we did of The Clash for this very video. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> was it in there? So <laughs> no, it wasn't. I'll tell no, you right now, not. people no, are going to find it by by some chance yeah, eventually. He, he basically gave him enough information anyway to find You don't need to put a link. You link know. In the if you want it, look it up. He said who the guy was who did it and the title of it. And... Listen, today's podcast listener is a very lazy listen, lazy person the 30 the 30 people who listen to this have already listened to the other one they've already found the video so they will go back and rewatch it and enjoy it but listen do not talk down our listeners by calling them lazy i'm one of them i know You're he, not was, a listener. he was talking about he was doing <laughs> it was a, like half our fan base it was a marketing strategy speaking of podcast listeners as a whole a collective group of which we all are a part of see I don't feel. I'm not offended. Oh, I thought you were about to say more things. I didn't know. I thought that, I didn't know that was the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't. I thought it was pretty clear that that's a, that's all there is to say about it. Speaking so of the end, uh, that's the end of us talking about the clash. Thank you. I was just going to do the same thing. <laughs> Oh man, I was waiting for Hootie to come in there. It's it's pretty Hootie, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's specific. I mean, they all are, but that one's really quite Hootie. About as Hootie as Hootie can get. So anytime I think <clears throat> of the crash test dummies now, I think of How I Met Your Mother. That's fair. Did they do the theme? No. No, that was uh, the Bare Naked Ladies. No, it wasn't. That no, was Bare Naked Big Bangs. <laughs> that was Big Bang. Who did the... It doesn't matter. I don't even know the theme to How I Met Your Mother, so I can't really... It's not popular. It's not, it's not like any... There's nothing to it. It's by the Remembrance. No, that's the wrong one. Anyways, the, the reason, remember ants. The reason you think of how I met your mother is because, uh, right. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Uh, at Barney's wedding, he arranges for Alan Thicke and Wayne Brady to sing this as a uh, as a triplet, oh. a trio. To sing what? Uh, the mm yeah. song. You said this, but it, we, oh, we'd right. yet to mention. Oh. Yeah. The only song anyone other than people in Canada would know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Once there was this boy born a lot of suits and said that stuff was legendary. He gave lots of high fives and swore that he would never get married. Ah, nothing better for musical quality than canned laughter. No doubt. Mm. I don't. I don't know. Any, that makes no sense to me at all. None of it. You got to watch the show. I don't want to. It's over. It's the best show ever made. I have been compared to a person on that show, so I refuse to watch it. Which which person? Jason Jason Siegel's character. Right. Oh. What's his name? But he's a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Oh. The lawyer. I figured it'd be Ted. Well, you don't know me too well. <laughs> Bearded red sweater. 
I'm wearing a red sweater for reference. Hey Jared, did you see anything about the lobster thing? I did, yes. Yeah, pretty isn't that pretty great. pretty wild? It is pretty wild. Well, wild caught actually. What? <laughs> what <laughs> so, lobster thing? So there was a, a a period of time where the lead singer of the Crash Test Dummies, Brad Roberts, was uh, I, I believe he had gone off. Uh, he had he had been in a car accident. Yes, he had been in a car accident. He, so was, he was himself a crash test dummy. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> How did he score? I'm sorry, Brad. <laughs> did he score well? <laughs> Apparently, he's alive. He is alive, right? Well, that's a pass because it's pass fail. In case you didn't know. So Brad then found himself recuperating in Nova Scotia, Argyle, Argyle specifically, much like. Dax's sweater. It's not Argyle. It's not. It's not. And while he was there, he hooked up with a couple of lobster fishermen who had some actual musical talent and then proceeded to bring them into the next album. Yes. <laughs> he just brought some lobster fishermen in good deal. and was like, hey, you guys want to make some music? How do, you, how do you even find lobster fishermen? Have you been he to was Nova a pirate. Scotia? But what was he doing in Nova Scotia to land into a situation? He was in Argyle. He was recovering. And he said it. And he was talking to lobster fishermen during his his recuperation. He was a sailor. He was just out on the seas. He ran into him. Look at where Argyle sits. You see that? Okay. There's There's lobster fishermen everywhere. You ever been to Maine? You know what they do in Maine? They fish for lobsters. Look how close we are to Maine. Yeah. Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. Sure. It's right there. It's almost Maine. Sure. So, he, there, people fish for lobsters all over up there. So what you're Argyle's s- probably nothing but lobster fishermen. That's what I was... And the people who service So what you're fishermen. saying is in Nova Scotia, Argyle to be specific, every member of that community, it happens to be a lobster fisherman, and therefore... Uh, almost. Any member of the community he would have ran into would have been a lobster fisherman. The real thing that we should be talking about is the fact that they were musically talented. Yes. Okay, I can get behind that. Here's a story. Here's what's going on in Argo. I want you to know. It's a commune, okay? They celebrate my favorite form of government, collective indigus. And everyone there takes turns fishing lobsters, and everyone else takes turns doing all the other things. They just rotate. They got a big chore wheel, and one time, one day it says lobster fish, and then it says cook food for people, and then it says fix people's boats, you know, and, and you got all the jobs. be in a Crash Test Dummy album. Yeah, <laughs> and that's on it. That's a little secretive one where you get like one day it says bonus spin and you spin the wheel and that's what popped up. Huh. Yeah. I also enjoy about that that they he then created songs talking about the experience of meeting these lobster fishermen and then they put out that music, one of the songs being known as a, the, or no, actually, no. It was, there's an annual tradition in Cape Britain called the Lobster Bash. Because of all of this. Are you are you talking about the Cape Britain Lobster Bash series? Yes. The EP? Yes. He released an EP called the Cape Britain Lobster Bash series. That had four songs on it. I guess there was supposed to be a collection, like, more, like, it was supposed to be volume one of the Cape Britain Lobster Bash series, but they only did one of them <laughs> with four Celtic rock songs, one of them being the song, as you pre- previously said, Lobster Bash. Yes. Do you think that you can find that song? Of course. Let's find that song. I, I don't think it's on Spotify. No, it's not on Spotify. Several of their albums aren't on Spotify because Brad right. Roberts uh, started his own record label. It originally was called... Let's see if I can find it here. Because he changed... It was Cha-Ching Records, and then he later changed it to 
Deep Fried Records. Is it on Bandcamp? I bet it's on Bandcamp. And I'm one. Well, and they while well, they have a website as well. I think that he wants you to buy uh, it through the MP, like buy MP3s uh, through that. Sneaky, sneaky. He, I mean, well, it's not really sneaky. He owns the right. I mean, it's his own music. He can choose for it to well, be. Well, Bandcamp is free. Well, I mean, that's true. Well, but you can buy it on Bandcamp as well. Not sure, everything sure. on Bandcamp. Yeah, is free. but. Well, no, yeah, but Bandcamp's free for both parties. Is what I'm saying. You you have to pay a fee to put music on Spotify. Oh. This track is called It's a Small Town. It is the only one that I can locate from the uh, the Lobster Bash collection of songs. Let's play it. You can try sneaking around if you like By the wharf or away in the woods Poaching at lobsters and deer and the like Doesn't that homebrew taste good? You can say you were hiking, pretend you were lost But you'll smell like a drunk in the end It's a small town and the word will get round That you can be sure, my friend You can grow plants I love that, man Canada is one hell of a drug is that right? It looks like they spend most of their days finding drunks. That's what he said. So I, I all speaking of Canada and uh, to go back a little bit to the mm song. I don't, I don't really. Do you just pronounce mm 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 if you want to say the name of the song? Mm, mm, mm. I or, thought it's just three times. Only, it's four times. Mm. It's four times. Four times. Is not their biggest song in Canada. Correct. Which is weird to me that that song had international success, but in Canada specifically, where they where they originate from, the Superman song was first their bigger hit, and then one of the songs off of what is the album? It has something with worms. A worm's life. A worm's life. Thank you. Uh, the one of the songs off of a worm's life is was a number two hit in Canada, but didn't get any kind of success anywhere else really. So it's very odd that they pick up on songs from them and that they are like you know pretty successful in canada in the way that they are the song is called he liked to feel it thank you and that song is about somebody that uh, is trying to pull out his own tooth solid that's interesting just like shia labeouf the music video is the character is just putting his tooth in various things so like a car uh, and spading away and then like the tooth hasn't fallen out yet so he's just on the ground being dragged by a car with his tooth out like or still in his mouth and then the final bit of the music video is he goes up to a crane operator and they attach his tooth to the crane his whole body lifts up and he goes the down the whole thing and he's just dangling and yeah. then he eventually falls to the ground and he survives somehow i think it was just a cartoony bit huh but uh yeah that's a pretty decent music video i guess it had some Contro- not really controversy, but they were reluctant to play it in Canada due to its somewhat graphic nature of seeing like that yeah. the tooth thing, and right. you know you only have so many teeth to That's be able so to true. pull out like that. And he already had missing ones in the video, like you know that's the whole bit. Gotcha. But yeah, it's pretty good. I think you would be the best person to speak about the Crash Test Dummies in terms of their lyrical content. It's very strange. It's often some always strange. Not, Not all of it, but a lot. The specific songs have like almost completely like all of the content from the song is just so obscure, and, and the, the content is very strange. Like Superman's song 
is in its own right a pretty odd song, but you know makes some sense. You're effectively doing you know the, another Superman song similar to Kryptonite because you're just mm. talking about Superman. Well, Kryptonite didn't tell a story, right? This no, is, this song story. is a story song. They're all, all kind of a lot of them are stories. Yeah, really. Well, he he is actually relatively intelligent. He reads a lot of uh, like poetry and stuff, and he's a relative, he he's an intellectual. I think T.S. Eliot, things Ooh. like that. And then in, in the... Selliot. Mmm, Selliot. The cover of God Shuffled His Feet, their biggest studio album uh, yes. by by far, um, the cover is the uh, Titans painting Bacchus and Ariden. You pronounce that like you know it well. I do. <laughs> but it's just their face of the band composed on the painting. Right. Which is very, very I love weird. it. I think that's great. But but yeah, the, their music is very storytelling based, as can be evident by mm-mm-mm-mm. Very story-based song. Three mm-hmm. stories, in fact. Three stories, indeed. And other songs are very similar to that. And then, of course, if you listen to the Lobster song we played, like... Very storytelling, like style of songwriting, but it's just it, you don't see a lot of artists who, not not only the way that it's delivered because he has such an odd baritone voice, but also the content of what he's saying. So everything really, when you're listening to Crash Test Dummies from a vocal standpoint, is very jarring to me. Mm. Not in a bad way, but it's very different from many other artists that you listen to. I remember listening to God Shuffled His Feet. I couldn't really get into the full album personally, but I will commend them for having a different sound. I mean, we mentioned Hootie, and that you know there are some Hootie elements there because Hootie also has kind of an odd vocal style as well. What's his name? Darius, Darius Rucker? Rucker? Yeah. Darius Rucker, thank you. His name's Hootie, pal. That's why I was trying to not say that <laughs> Hootie's got a weird voice. His name is Hootie. Darius Rucker has an odd voice. yeah. Anyways, ask the blowfish what his name is. It's not Darius. <laughs> Do you know the blowfish's name? There's multiple. It's a collective. And the blowfish. The blowfish. Not fishes. Right. So there's one. The blowfish. Are you sure there's more than one blowfish? It's a collective. I'm just asking. A blowfish is made up of multiple parts. Okay. Fair enough. You got a heart. Oh my goodness! Skeletal. Don't tell bit. the whole story. They've got the these. It's got the ribs that are they get the most. They got some swivel to them. See when they get big, boop, 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 they blow up. Poison gland. Yeah. So also, nice. another song that's worth mentioning from the Crash Test Dummies is the Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead. True that. Which is a cover. Yes, by ecstasy. the group, the Canadian group XTC. Mm-hmm. Very good group. I knew them because of the song "Dear God," which is a very. That's how you knew XTC. Mm-hmm. Not making plans for Nigel. What? No, no, I heard "Dear God" first. Making plans for Nigel they're, is a good song. They're English, by the way. Oh, they're English. Yeah, they're, they're not, not Canadian. Canadian. No, oh. they're not Canadian. Well, I thought they were Canadian. No, they're English. But the song "Dear God," I saw actually. I think it was on, um, like VH1 Classic, like. Years and years and years ago, they I would just sit and record um, like different shows that played music videos and yeah. just basically learn. Like after I already had a, a general thing of stuff that I knew I liked, you know, like in music, I wanted to broaden that. So then I was learning about other, you know, 80s music, punk stuff, you know, everything. Yeah. Classic rock, Headbangers Ball, I'd sit and watch all the time and learn about different groups. But XTC, they played the music video for the song Dear God which is basically kind of like a letter. The beginning of the song 
is this kid singing. Uh, he's just saying, dear God, and it's just very like somber and stuff. And then it's kind of like um, in the vein of Imagine where they're talking, you know, like he's, he's, it's not a pro God song, but it, you wouldn't know that by the title. Right. Know? So, but it's an interesting, that's a, an interesting XTC song, yeah. but also Peter, you know, the battle. Of- they're a big group, the- a big new wave group, pretty, pretty uh, the album uh, drums and wires that making plans for an idols on is really a, a great new wave album that kind of is lauded, but not quite known as well. The album that I know from them is English settlement. That was one of the albums that I covered a couple of years ago. So I'm that's like I wouldn't have been familiar with them outside of that moment. So having having had having listened to that album, I was familiar with them enough that when I saw XTC, I was like, Oh hey, I listened to one of their albums mm-hmm. and then I find out that one of their songs was covered by Crash Test Dummies and was in a Dumb and Dumber movie. Yeah, it was in the soundtrack for Dumb, Dumb and Dumber. Dumber. Yeah. And actually the it's credited to Crash Test Dummies featuring Ellen Reed, mm-hmm. who was in Crash Test Dummies. But she did some of the, um, you know, like the lead vocals. She didn't really, I don't think hardly at all on God Shuffle to Speed. But then she kind of did more later. vocal stuff later. Yeah. And actually had a solo album that... Um, Cinder Ellen, wasn't Cinder it? Ellen, yes, is the name That's of good. that album. That's yeah. good. At this point, because he's still semi-active <laughs> as Crash Test Dummies, but he's the only... Technical member, yeah. Technical member of Crash Test Dummies, the lead singer. Brad Roberts. Yes. His brother is, um, I believe, the bassist. Yeah, that's what I saw. Brad is, so it's a a duo, or not a duo, but it's him and his brother doing, you know, I think that they had an original person in bass, and then he left, and then he ended up having his brother come in. Yeah. But they've been, you know, together for a long, I mean, this last year, they were touring the 25th anniversary of God Shuffled His Feet. That was the reunion that brought in the members back, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Yes. And I wanted to go to that show. Um, I don't know where it was playing. Somewhere in Ohio, I believe. Oh, but really? They it wasn't in Nova it. Scotia? It wasn't in Nova Scotia. No, well, they're, they from, just... they're from Winnipeg, so you know it could have been in Manitoba. I feel as though they only play music for lobster fishermen at this point no, in their careers. Do. Well, why would you play for anyone else? Truly. You know who would really be grateful for your music is people who are on ships all day long. That's very true. Listening to nothing but the sound of the sea. Especially when... Trying to get rid of that coronavirus. Uh (laughs) Especially when they find out that the members of the group have been replaced with lobster fishermen. They're like, what is this? These are our people. I love it. Tyler, would you like to speak about the Weird Al cover now? Well, we can talk about the Weird Al cover. He covered uh, the big popular song, the mmm song. We're going to say it differently every time. <clears throat> yeah, it's that, a parody. It's a great, you. it's a good parody. We've, parody. we've now listened to it, I think, us collectively, like three or four times, I believe. Well, let's make and, it four uh, or five. It's called Headline News. Headline News. Once there was this kid who took a trip to Singapore and brought along his spray paint. And when he finally came back, he had. Cane marks all over his bottom He said that it was from When the warden whacked it so hard He does pretty good at doing the voice. He really does, actually. It's kind of... I mean, he's pretty good at doing... Most voices, but that one specifically, he did a pretty good job with. 
Jared, do you like the other albums outside of God Shuffled His Feet, though? Because I, I don't know them. I like well. songs from them. I like songs from The Ghost That Haunt Me, mm-hmm. A Worm's Life. Um, let's see what else was there. Actually, they they have a Christmas album. I saw that. I couldn't find anything from it. I really wanted to hear him doing Christmas songs. Well, I think... Is it a whole album, or is it just like... There's songs? a whole album, but it's not on Spotify. But okay. they do have... I think on The Greatest Hits, I think they have a song on it. I'll have to really see. They're featured on other Christmas albums. I knew that, but I didn't see a full album. That's why I wasn't sure. Hmm. I'm not sure because it's not like a, as a single. They have a song called Another Poem entitled Circumcision is Red. That's from the live album. That's an incredible name it's, for a song. It's not a song. It's it's an in, like a segue between songs in the live album. He's talking to the crowd. So he actually reads a poem called Circumc- like Circumcision is the name of the poem. I don't know. Just I don't know. Let's how play long it. is it? See how long it is. It's 33, uh, 3 minutes and 33 seconds. Almost said oh. 33 minutes. Let's, let's see what we can hear from it. I was sitting with my manager having a beer one day when he said, Do you know that circumcision causes a loss of 90% of the sensitivity in your dick? I found this hard to believe. Bullshit, I said. No, no, he said, it's true, 90%. Haven't you ever noticed that the only feeling you have in your dick is on the little tiny portion on the underside of the shaft just below the head? And it was true. This was exactly where all the feeling was. I said, but that's normal, isn't it? It ain't normal unless you had your dick sliced up at birth, he said. I'll get to the actual poem now, but because I was this is an introduction. I thought that poem, was I'm the assuming. poem. I thought that was. A, <laughs> I think. Let me give me. I'm pretty sure that's the poem. Let me scoot. I believe that's the poem. It's not quite a poem. Well, I mean, it's a story. Who are you? Who are you monologue. to define poetry? He said, "I'm going to read a poem," and he began reading it. I it's don't an art think, form. I don't it's think so. It's art. We'll it's see. art. Why don't we see? Sensitivity-wise, in my dick, ten percent. That's what I paid my manager, who I was sitting there talking to. Ten percent piece of the take. Now, at the time, ten years ago, when I first met my manager and I agreed to pay him that, it seemed like a lot. But now, I, after I cleaned up, after experimenting with jerking off, I thought to myself, well, Jesus, maybe I better give the poor bastard a raise. See? That was the poem. That was the poem. I told you. He sounded like Will Arnett in Bojack Horseman during that whole thing. Yeah. I'll be publishing soon. That was the poem. That was the poem. I told you. That was the poem. I told you it was a poem. It's a spoken word poem. I don't... I think that was just a story. You can't call that a poem, can you? You can go whatever you want, poem. I guess you can call it a poem. Does it have verse? Of course it does. Of course it does. Art is whatever you want it to be, I suppose. It's subjective and objective. To return to the original purpose of looking through things, there are not any Christmas songs on... The greatest hit. So let me do it's, a little bit of. It's just the first Noel that's on Spotify. It looks like. Oh, okay. Well, then that. Where was which album is that on? It's not on their album. You have to search it. It's on oh, River City Christmas. Hmm. Here's the first Noel by Crash Test Dummies. The first Noel. The angels did say unto certain poor shepherds in fields where they lay in fields where His singing voice sounds like my bad impression of Patrick Warburton. Mm. <laughs> A little bit. I could see that, yeah. Huh. 
So on that somber Amusing note, thing. should we sound off? Or do you have more that you'd like to say about Crash's Dummies? Uh, I have a few more things Please I'd like do. to say. Uh, so on the album, The Ghost That Haunt Me, we talked about this last week on Record Roundtable, but they covered The Replacements Androgynous, which is a great cover. I think we all agreed uh, last week about that. Quite uh, good. Also on the song, he's got, uh, I think I showed Caleb this earlier this week, on that album, it's called The Country Life, and it's a kind of a country style song on that record. Um, let's see what I have there. Oh, okay. I had another funny thing that, that I found. Actually, two. So with the headline news we found earlier uh, this week, that Weird Al did that song with Brad Roberts. He did. Probably yeah. the only time that I've ever seen Weird Al doing his parody with the original artist. Yeah. It's quite a milestone. A live performance. Live performance. I think more of the band was there too, right? I, yeah, I think. I think. Uh, Al, of, we're, we're, of the, Crash Test or of Weird Al's band? Crash That's Test. The, I think the woman that? was in Crash Test. Oh, really? I think. Hmm. So God Shuffled His Feet was nominated for two Grammys. Mm-hmm. And they were also nominated for Best New Artist in the year 1995. I saw they were nominated for three. The winner of that award went to Sheryl Crow. Oh, boy. Oh, man. The Wait other... a minute. They were Best New Artist in 95? Mm-hmm. That's kind of late, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, because that album came out, what, 92? Yeah. Well, even so, so they formed in the 88. Well, they give Best New Artist to people late. Like, it's uh, when they become popular. That's not great. That's garbage. Like, Lizzo was nominated this year, but she's been doing music for oh, a while. Since 2015. It's about the same timeline, really. Right. Other that's people nominated at the same time. Counting Crows. Okay. And Green Day. All <laughs> all three... So you're telling me... Were, rec- for, were good, band, bad. You're telling me Counting Crows and Sheryl Crow were nominated in the same year? As Green Day. Yeah. Yeah. No, it just in, in yes, the same year. Were, yes, yes, so, yes, the same year. Two but we've crows, done all three of those. But we did two of those in the same episode. I know. We've done all of them anyway. That's crazy. We've covered all of the bands that matter in 1995. Except, except for Ace of Base, who were also nominated. Oh, uh, yeah, it, uh, you ruined Ace it. Well, we shouldn't have done. There was five. We know that. Uh, I right. saw the sign. We know the way the Grammys work. So We respect them as an institute. So we have to find a way to do Ace of Base, and then we'll have covered all of 95's best new artists, and then... All of our episodes from there will just work up the line. So then we'll do all 96 and 97, so on and so forth. It'll be great. We're That's always hitting new artists. They also have a song called My Own Sunrise. That song is about masturbation. Of course it is. <laughs> just like Green Day. <laughs> <laughs> that album, the live album that we were listening to earlier, Crash Test Dude. He did a cover of Unbreak My Heart, a cover of Baby One More Time, and a cover of uh, Betty Davis Eyes. And he did a few other covers on there, too, throughout playing the hits of his Crash Test Dummy career and uh, doing weird interlude talking things where he's talking about masturbation and circumcision and stuff. So you wanted Tote King, Yola Creo? Yeah, see if that's worth it. Suena, sale aquí otra vez Sale por el micro dos segundos y te la cree Randy está conmigo Navego en este espacio de palabras con mi amigo Voy despacio para que la gente entienda lo que digo Años hipotecados, ver para creer Lo damos todo por esa He's international. I was just gonna say the same thing. What a weird thing. So It's so weird. What, I don't, like, when what's artists, weird about that? When artists here sample like a, a foreign song 
Just no one knows it. They just think, oh, it's that song. I think it's the same thing. Just reverse. No, people know that song. Where Where is this from? It doesn't matter. In the age we live in, a song that big. It's not that big, though. It's big enough. People know that. Weird Al did it. People know Weird Al. <laughs> Spain. Yeah, they probably know it in Spain. I would think so. I would think so, too. It's Europe. I think everyone in Europe would know that. Yeah. They've probably toured Europe multiple times. Perhaps. I'm sure they have. And with that being said. All right. Uh, I guess now we'll say who we think is the good band. Who would like to begin? I would be happy to. I would say the Clash. Clash. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. Crash Test Dummies. That's good. <gasps> what? Really? I am. Wow. Okay. I wouldn't have seen that coming. I figured you'd be a Clash, but okay. No. I'd say overall probably the Clash. I like the Crash Test Dummies a lot. I'm glad we did this. I don't think we would have another opportunity to talk about the Crash Test Dummies. They they had a big influence on my listening. I really liked the album God Shoveled His Feet. So you like them, so they should be your vote. But they're they're not the Clash are more. That's not how it works. I voted for Fleetwood Mac. The Clash is better. Yes, but all right. Please keep your vote. Just I'm going to keep it. Thank you. I'm going to keep it. What did Patreon have to say? What did Patreon have to say? Uh, According to our votes from Patreon, the Clash. It's the Patreon vote. Indeed it nice. does. Indeed it does. While we're talking about Patreon, uh, let's welcome our newest patron, David. Ah! Welcome, David. Firm virtual handshake. Here's mine. It's right here. There it is. It's virtual. I'm giving mine right now, too. Of course. All, all hands are indeed extended, moving upward and then downward as a handshake would function. There we go. Virtually. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Good Band, Bad Band. Make sure you like us on Facebook. Find us on Patreon, and make sure you vote in the poll. Next week, we're doing Credence Clearwater Revival. Goodbye. You like to cross that bridge? I like to cross it. <laughs> <laughs> like the str- stroll right across the bridge of your nose onto your forehead your and butthole. live on your scalp. Give it a little kiss. With my butthole. Yeah. He's talking about, you Why know. Why did you have to bring a butthole into it? Because that's what he's going to do with the nose. What else is he going to do with the nose but stick then the I'd be going, in Then I'd be going down stick. down the bridge. He's going to stick his nose in his butthole, and that's the only You're gonna thing go down he could slope. do. You're gonna it's go surfing. More, right. Butthole it's, surfing. It's more. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, butthole surfing. I'm not going butthole surfing though. You are going butthole are we, surfing. We're keeping all this right. I don't I think think so. And I'm not putting. He's not putting his nose in my butthole. I'm putting my butthole over his nose. <laughs> oh, okay. you have to clarify. The force is coming from my end, not his end. <laughs>